Our text today is the text of Doubting Thomas. Jesus said to Thomas, reach here with your finger and see my hands and reach here with your hand and put it into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. Dear friends of Christ, there are some things in this world we just can't explain. And so was the story of 19-year-old Gene Hilliard uh, of Langby, Minnesota. Have you ever been to Langby? Well, on December 20th, 1980, this old 19-year-old girl was on her way to a friend's house when her car malfunctioned and because of the extreme cold weather. The malfunction caused her car to crash. Don't know what happened, but she was two miles from her destination. And unfortunately, the temperature outside in Minnesota was 30 degrees below zero that night. The next morning, they found her body 15 feet from the door of her friend's house. Her body had been outside for seven hours. She was barely alive. They transported her to Faustin Hospital where the doctors said her skin was frozen. They couldn't even give her a shot because the needle wouldn't go in. The thermometer wouldn't register a temperature. Her face was ashen, her eyes were solid and would not respond to light. Her pulse was 12 beats per minute. Her frostbite was so severe that if she lived, she would have permanent brain damage. And she would need her arms and legs amputated. The family gathered, hoping for a miracle. The hospital, at the hospital, they wrapped her in an electric blanket. Two hours later, Jean went into violent convulsions and regained consciousness. She was perfectly fine, physically and mentally, just a little bit confused. Amazingly, there was no permanent damage to her body or to her brain. The doctors said it was a miracle. You just can't explain something like that. This morning, the disciples, we find them huddling in fear. They were about to experience something like that. Except their story would be more incredible. Their story would be more dramatic. Because Jesus had been in the grave for three days. And yet, he would come back to life. And so our theme this morning that we consider, you just can't explain it. On that first Easter, the disciples were hiding in fear. They were afraid that if the Jews and the Jewish leaders found their secret location, that they would come and do to them what they had done to Jesus. To treat them the same way they had treated Jesus. In other words, they feared for their lives. But soon, Jesus would come among them and change their fears into joy. We talked about that last week on Easter sunrise. Soon, everything would change for them. And that night, 
that Easter evening, an uninvited guest came, and he didn't ring the doorbell. This one who came suddenly appeared, even though the doors were locked. Everything in the house was secure. There was no way into the house. And Jesus came, this one who had been dead, who had been in the tomb for three days, came to unlock their doubts, to unlock their fears, to unlock their hearts. He came to prove the greatest historical fact in the history of the world, his resurrection. How can you explain that Jesus suddenly appeared in a room that was locked and secured. You just can't explain it apart from the resurrection. Jesus was able to appear and disappear. And this is because he was now living in his glorified body. Um, Now the divine nature of Jesus, his divine nature was giving all of his power to his human nature. So his human nature could do everything that his divine nature was now able to do. Be everywhere at the same time. Appear and disappear. And when Jesus ministered on earth, he laid aside, the Bible says he laid aside his divine nature. Kind of like he he buried it and he didn't use it. But now, things were completely different. Now he was risen. Now his body was able to appear and disappear suddenly. How could he do that? Well, he couldn't have done that, except for the resurrection. So the risen Christ appears before them, and he says, peace be with you. This was God's way of absolving the sin of those disciples, their sin of cowardice, their sin of disbelief and unbelief. Forgiveness and peace is exactly what these poor, guilty souls needed peace be with you. And Jesus did not forsake them, he forgave them. And he does the same thing for us. He doesn't forsake us, he forgives us. And how can you explain that a dead man, dead for three days, can give us this kind of eternal peace? You can't explain it, except for the resurrection. But Christ was not done. He knew that all the disciples still had doubts. How can a man who had been dead for three days come back to life? Well, he should have known. They they should have known that it was possible because just four months earlier, Jesus had raised Lazarus from the grave, and Lazarus had been in in the grave for four days. They must have forgotten all that. They must have forgotten what Jesus was able to do. That he was the Lord of life and death. And in fear, in the grief of the moment, they forgot who Jesus claimed to be. So Jesus showed up to remind them. Here I am. Touch my hands and feet. He proved to them he was not a ghost. And instantly, instantly, instantly they believed. Instantly they rejoiced. Because they knew that Jesus was alive. And he's alive today. How can you explain that? You can't explain it at all. Except for the resurrection. 
How about Thomas? You remember, he wasn't there when he first appeared to the disciples, and so he refused to believe everything that they said. The disciples could not convince him. They tried. He was stubborn. He just simply refused to believe. He wanted proof, and so he makes that statement that has become so popular. Unless I put my hands in his wounds and his hands and feet and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. I'll never believe. And then one week later, Jesus appears again. Same way, everything was locked. He suddenly appears into the room. The message hadn't changed. Peace be with you. Your sins are forgiven. Then Jesus, with the crucified wounds clearly visible, looked Thomas squarely in the eye and said, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And you remember how Thomas responded? I assume he got down on his hands and his knees. And he said, my Lord, my God. Why did Thomas make such a bold confession of faith? He can't explain it at all except for the resurrection. Jesus always had to deal with the skeptics. There were skeptics everywhere. And all the skeptics wanted proof. Herod, Pontius Pilate, we just want to see a miracle. We just want to see some proof. Prove to us you are the Son of God. Well, Thomas was a skeptic. If his skepticism wasn't satisfied, then why did Thomas take the message of Christ and his resurrection all the way to India, to the people in India? And if Thomas's skepticism wasn't satisfied, why did Thomas die for the message? Why did he die a martyr's death? How can you explain that kind of commitment from such a skeptic? Well, you can't explain it at all. Except for the resurrection. Think about Paul's conversion. Paul hated the Christians. Paul was a Jew He was a leader. He hated anybody who believed in the resurrection, anybody who professed Jesus Christ as Lord and God. In fact, he led the march to wipe them off the face of the earth, to destroy all Christians. Why why then would Paul later repent? Why would this hater of Christians become a Christian himself? Even more perplexing, Why would this hater of Christians come to write two-thirds of the New Testament books? It doesn't make sense. Why would Paul testify, but in fact Christ has been raised from the dead? How can you explain such a dramatic change? You can't explain it at all, except for the resurrection. 
And how can you explain to me the fact that all the apostles changed? Every single one of them was willing to die for Jesus, and all of them did. They all died for the faith that they professed. They were all martyred for the faith, except for the apostle John. Now, I want you to think. People aren't willing to die for a lie. But those men died. Why? Because they were dying for the truth. They knew that they would die and Jesus would welcome them into his eternal kingdom. So how can you explain such faith? Well, you can't explain it except for the resurrection. And now 2,000 years ago, we still have skeptics. We still have people whose hearts are filled with doubt and fear. And they say, well, I just wish Jesus would come to me. I just wish Jesus would, would revive my doubting heart. I just wish Jesus would breathe new life into my stagnant faith. And if you think like that, I have good news for you. Jesus is here. He is present. And He comes to you in a very personal way. He comes to you individually. He comes to you in word. And He comes to you in sacraments, in His body, in His blood. And if you say, well, how can Christ be present in the bread and wine? How can His body and blood be present? How can He be present in the word that's proclaimed and spoken? Well, then I say to you, it happens because He promised it. He said, this is my body, this is my blood. And you say, how is that possible? How do you explain it? Well, you can't explain it at all. Except for the resurrection. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And faith clings to these precious promises. Faith clings to the resurrected Christ. Faith believes. Stop doubting and believe. How can I explain the resurrection of Christ from the dead? I can't. I can't do it. But that's why Jesus gave us this special promise. He said to Thomas, you have believed because you have seen me, but Jesus says to us, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. My friends, if history is to be the final judge of whether Christ died and rose again or not, whether the resurrection has truly happened, Jesus passed the test. And He is the most important person in history. More books have been written about Jesus than any other person in the history of man. He's not among the greatest men on earth people on earth. He is the greatest person on earth. Are you still skeptical? Are you still filled with fear and doubt? Well, just wait. He's coming again. He will come again, and he'll prove all the skeptics wrong again. But those skeptics will pay an eternal price 
for their unbelief. Jesus is coming back. Paul writes, God has highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee, believer or unbeliever, they will all bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, for every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So how is it possible that in the end everyone will confess, some to eternal life, some to eternal perdition, that Jesus Christ is Lord? How do you explain that? Well, you can't explain it at all, except for the resurrection. Amen. And may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus and life everlasting. Amen.